Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two man car. We're both reporting for duty. This is the month of January. It's dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. Just uh, remember that this month, any opportunity that you have, call out to Jesus throughout the day. Just say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, fill me with joy. Jesus, be with me. Throughout the month of January, during the holy name of Jesus month, make sure that you call on the name of Jesus as often as possible. Paul, are you there reporting for duty, my friend? Yes, indeed, Jess, and, and, and I love the way you emphasize that. There's something about the name of Jesus. Amen? <laughs> it, is the mo- it, it is the most perfect prayer in the world. Uh, yes. You know, and, and especially I, I tell my grandkids, and maybe my kids when they were small, when you're having a nightmare, when you're having bad thoughts at night, you're afraid, just call on the name of Jesus. Just yes. say the name of Jesus over and over again, and you, he, he will come and and uh, and and fill fill you with peace with shalom. He'll fill you with 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 strength and courage, and he'll yes. put you right to sleep. You know, it's it's interesting Amen. we talk about that because we're going to talk about Pope Benedict right now, Paul. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. the the nurse that was taking care of him before he passed away, she mm-hmm. says that as uh, she was taking care of <clears throat> Pope Benedict the sixteenth, uh, you know, right, right before everybody breathes their last breath. She said mm-hmm. that right before he died, he said, Jesus, I love you. Then the, ah. nurse, then, then the nurse said, those were the last words he uttered. Then he exhaled and he died. She witnessed this. He, he repeated the words of Peter, the first pope in John 21, 15. Uh, Jesus, do, you know, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. This pope, his last words... Before he died were the words of St. Peter from John 21, 15. Wow. Wow. You know, and I hope the next words that he heard after that were just, well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was listening to uh, LifeSite News last night, yeah. and uh, and I heard uh, uh, Ben Snyder talking, and he, he talked about uh, the letter of... Uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, yes, and and it, I was touched because at that end of the letter, you know, he, you know, he, you know, he acknowledged the fact that you know he is he's he has committed sin in his life, and he and he just he just asked for prayer, you know, uh, that's what a godly person does, you know, uh, yeah, you know, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. None of us. None of us uh, would be up for that job of of, of, of leading the uh, uh, the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, but God selected him, and He selected him for a reason, and He left a legacy, Jess. Yeah, He did. He did, Paul. And that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about four lessons for the USA. What Pope Benedict the Sixteenth taught America as the head of the hmm. Universal Church. Benedict XVI served Catholics from every continent and nation, language and culture. Americans make up a mere 7% of all Catholics worldwide. 
and should hardly expect to receive much more than than that proportion of the Pope's attention. Nevertheless, several lessons from his long life stand out as particularly challenging to American Catholics in the 21st century. So we're going to look at these four things that he taught us forevermore. These themes, these or these four themes, are a summons to persevere in recalling our great nation and ourselves to live God's caritas in veritati, charity in truth. Yeah, that was one mm. of his. <clears throat> that was one of his hallmarks. That phrase he would say it over and over. In fact, one of his encyclicals was called that, charity in truth, which basically means that the both both of them work hand in glove. You Absolutely. can't have you can't have truth without charity and you can't have charity without truth. Both Abs- of them work absolutely. together. Yeah. Absolutely. Just they uh, they build off one another and it pre- you know, they present the total picture. Love, love and truth. You know, it's one thing to have the truth, but but but, but without love we know according to um uh Corinthians without love, you know, uh, you know, love is the excellent standard. You know, it, that is how we, we please God through our love. You'll know we are Christians by our love, not 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 just because we have the truth, but because we have love. And by the way, love is not some ooey gooey uh, reality. It's not an emotion. But love is uh, it, it's that. It's that higher love. It's that agape love. It's always doing what's best for the object love, no matter yes. what. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yep. That's the that's the church's definition, based on Saint Thomas of Aquinas and all the catechisms. That love mm-hmm. it wills and desires uh, what's best for another person. Love wills and desires what's best for another person. Yes. Amen. And, and we know that that uh, Jesus Christ is both love, and He's both truth. And John fourteen six, John fourteen six, he says, "I'm the truth." <clears throat> and in uh, the first letter of John, chapter four, I forget what verse. Uh, God is God, love. God is love. Uh, so, <laughs> so when we're talking about God, He's both. So let's yeah. go to the first thing, Paul. The first thing that He left for us as Americans that that uh, will uh, impact America for those that have ears. What's the first thing that Pope Benedict taught Americans, Catholic Americans? Good that you exist. If an individual is to accept himself, someone must say to him, it is good that you exist. Must say it, not with words, but with the act of the entire being that we call love. That was a a quote from him in uh, Principles of Moral Theology. Americans sit atop the world financially, militarily, and materially But so often we are tempted to equate our worth with our wealth. Pope Benedict XVI continued the mission of Pope St. John Paul II again and again, emphasizing that God is love. We exist because he loved us into existence. That's powerful right there. Oh, yeah. He loved us into existence. I often say that just about you. I'm Catholic today because you loved me back to the church because it wasn't any amount of intellect that you had or, yeah. or argumentation that you could present, but it was the love of Christ that I saw in you that drew me, and I was compelled to come back and be fully Catholic. Wow. Praise uh, God. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Yeah. We have, we have infinite value not because of what we have or what we do, 
but because of who we are, the only appropriate response to that reality is to love one another as Christ has loved us with our whole being. I'll tell you what jumps out at me from there. Uh, <clears throat> I have a brother who's who's homeless, and we talk a lot. And I and I told I've, I've told him often, and just even before reading Pope Benedict's lines, I've said I told my brother, you know what? It's good that you're alive. It's good that you're here. It's yes. good that God made you, despite any everything that you're going through. I said, God has a purpose for you, and it's called heaven. You're, we see beyond the weekend, see beyond this world. It's good that you exist. You were made for heaven. And uh, as, as a result of my long conversations with him, my brother is uh, my homeless brother is now a daily mass Catholic. Uh, yeah. Prays all four mysteries of the Rosary every day: luminous, joyful, yeah. sorrowful, glorious. Praise the Divine Mercy at three o'clock, and in the evening he goes to a, the Adoration Chapel and he prays for an hour. It's called the Fifteen Promises of Saint Bridget of Sweden. He's a prayer warrior, and he tells yeah. me that he just he just shares his faith with the homeless people. He goes, "I talk mm -hmm. to people that you're not able to talk to because I'm there." Yeah, yeah. he has access. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, I don't. <laughs> hey, one might say John the Baptist, who according to Jesus was the greatest you know, human being ever born to woman, uh, uh, you know, uh, the greatest of the Old Testament saints. And guess what? Uh, he, uh, he, you could say he was homeless, Jess. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You could... yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we live in a society where there's a lot of marginalized people, Jess. And, but you know what the beauty is? No, in God's eyes, God, nobody is marginalized because there but by the grace of God go I and if God has blessed us and uh, you know according to his uh, his, his grace and his um, will has given you certain things hey to whom much is given much is required Amen. and you know it's important for us to reach down to the marginalized and to love them because they bear the Imago Dei Amen and uh, and I was at a funeral last week, and I was I did a rosary week over in California, and I made mm. it a point to go tell a lot of people that you could tell that we're unchurched Catholics, you know, people yeah. that obviously have lived a, a kind of a sinful life. You could tell tattoos on their neck, on their face, all over their chest, you know, the way they were dressed, the way they talk. I went yeah. over there, and I said, I'm glad you're here. Jesus loves you. I'm glad you're alive, uh, and, yeah. and I hope and I hope you open your heart to Christ. I just said it to several people that I didn't even know. Yes. I felt led to tell them, and they looked yes. at me. And their eyes lit up because they just saw me, you know, give the do the rosary week for a whole. Yeah, time. and then I, I didn't was, hear that message. Yes. Yeah, and I made it a point to say to about a half a dozen people that I can know that were unchurched, that were that were living. You could tell they were living sinful lives. Yeah. I went and told them, "I'm glad you're here. I hope you open your heart to Jesus Christ. Surrender to Christ. It's good that you are here. It's good that God made you. We were made for heaven." And I just put, uh, you could see, Paul, their faces just lit up because they probably never heard that from a fellow Catholic ever. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of Zacchaeus when he was in that tree. He knew he was a tax collector and he knew, you know, uh, what the opinion of was him. And Jesus said, come down from that tree. I'm going to have dinner with you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to continue talking about the four great things Pope Benedict left for American Catholics. You're listening yes. to Jesus 911, two guys on duty for Jesus. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911.
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. God, come to our assistance. Lord, make haste to help us. Psalm 69, verse 2. That's the theme of Jesus 911. So what did Pope Benedict teach American Catholics? The second thing he taught us was the duties of Catholics in public life. While head of the, co- of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, prior to Vatican II, by the way, that office was called the Holy Office under Cardinal Ottaviani and others, <clears throat> and now it's called the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, or CDF. Cardinal Ratzinger penned the ponderously titled uh, document, quote, Doctrinal Note on Some Questions Regarding the Participation of Catholics in Political Life, close quote. He penned that in 2002. In it, he praised democratic governments for encouraging citizens to actively participate in their own governance, but he warned, he said this, quote, the church recognizes that while democracy is the best expression of the direct participation of citizens in political choices, it succeeds only to to the extent that it is based on a correct understanding of the human person. Catholics serve in public life, can only serve their country, if they promote concrete measures to preserve and promote the dignity of every child of God. When they fail to do so, they separate themselves from the body of Christ. He's talking about people that, Catholic politicians that uh, live in mortal sin. And then in a May 2007 interview, Cardinal Ratzinger said, well, he was not the, he was the Pope at that time. He said during a flight from Mexico City to Brazil, Pope Benedict explained that politicians who had voted in support of abortion had excommunicated themselves. It's called automatic mm. excommunication. Therefore, he said, they should not participate in Holy Communion during Mass. He, this is what he actually said, quote, Legislative action in favor of abortion is incompatible with participation in the Eucharist, close quote. And in America, yeah. Catholics have risen to prominent political office in the last 60 years, And with that honor comes the grave responsibility to bring the truth and love of God to the public square, close quote. Again, Mm. uh, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, are you listening? This is why, I'm going to tell you right now, this is why Pope Benedict refused to take uh, photo ops with Nancy Pelosi when she went to go visit him when he was a pope. And this is also why uh, Pope Benedict is speaking from the grave. Uh, (laughs) He's disinvited President yes. Biden from going to his funeral because yes. he's being consistent with the teachings of the church. He wrote yes. these these moral teachings as it relates to politicians. So even in his death, Paul, he's asking people uh, again, don't attend my funeral because you didn't listen to me when I was the pope or the cardinal of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. And so I don't need you to attend my funeral. Thank you very much. And that's what a and that's what a what a faithful shepherd does, even from the grave, like you said, Jess. He speaks and he and and he he pronounces, you know, uh, things that 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 have real world, you know, understanding that when when you have a politician that does these things, and by the way, these things not only affect our country, but they affect every country in the world because we export our sin to other places. But uh, thank you. Thank you, Pope Benedict. Uh, number three, the limits of state authority. In Caritas in Ver- Veritate, 2000, Benedict addressed the pressing issues of justice and the common good in a globalized society. As a leader, America faces the temptation to assist massive efforts to reset 
<laughs> I've heard that one before. Hmm. The world order and decimate small social institutions in the name of global equity. Instead, we should take our cue from his words. The articulation of political authority at the local, national, and international levels is one of the best ways of giving direction to the process of economic globalization. It is also the way to ensure that it does not actually undermine the foundations of democracy. And that's, for, again, from Caritas uh, in Veritate. Uh, the common good is the good of all of us made up of individuals, families, and intermediate groups who together constitute society. Government exists not to swell itself up and obliterate families, churches, and small societies, but to create a zone of freedom in which they can provide for the real needs of their neighbors. The state executes justice, but small societies can provide both justice and love, without which the human person will perish. Amen, amen. Mm. It, there he's talking against socialism. The, the, he's taking a clear swipe against big government, against socialism and communism. Uh, again, where, where he says governments exist not to swell itself up. Uh, these, are, these are clear. This is what's called the principle of subsidiarity in the Catholic Church. One of the things that he came up with, which basically means, is that the government should not tell the Clay household how to run their affairs. The government right. should not tell the Romero household what to buy, what to eat, or what to watch on television, how to spend their recreation. Don't tell us what mm. to do. Pave the yeah. streets, fix yeah. the lights, fix the stop signs, collect taxes for the for yeah. law enforcement. But ab yeah. apart from that, the government does not exist uh, you know, to put their jackboot on our neck Government exists actually to help families, not to hurt yeah. families. That's what he's saying. We, yeah, we need to mail this to every politician and sitting <laughs> uh, in, on Capitol Hill, Jess. What about number four? <laughs> number four, true religious freedom. Pope Benedict XVI presided over a persecuted church in China, Africa, the Middle East, and Central America. Thousands of Catholics were martyred, imprisoned, or exiled for their faith during his reign. He was keenly aware of the need for bastions of religious freedom and that America is at a crossroads. Will it remain a refuge for religious liberty and a sanctuary for Christians or will it abandon its founding and fall into the slow secular decline of Europe? I hope not. In Caritatis and Veritati, Benedict reminded us that religious freedom is not free, but it is worth sacrificing everything to preserve. He writes mm. this in paragraph 56. The Christian religion and other religions can offer their contribution to development only if God has a place in the public realm, specifically in regard to its cultural, social, economic, and particularly its political dimensions. Just at this, yeah, sound like separation of church and state. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the opposite of that. <laughs> exactly. As we at, know, that's not a Catholic principle, but go ahead. <laughs> at the same time, he corrected the false notion to which many Americans, including Catholics, have fallen prey. Religious liberty cannot be reduced to freedom to worship in your church, or even all religions are the same. He writes, religious freedom does not mean religious indifferentism, nor does it imply that all religions are equal. Discernment is needed 
regarding the and we know and, and we know because in 2000 he wrote a document saying that the Catholic Church is the one true religion, the one true faith founded by Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And uh, boy, oh boy, did he did he get international pushback, even from bishops and Cardinal Mahoney. I remember from Los Angeles, uh, the, the worst cardinal we've ever had in the country. He actually came out the next day and said, I can't believe Pope Benedict said that we're the one true church. How dare well, he? How well, dare me, Vatican II? It, it, yeah, it's again. Yeah. Let me quote sacred scripture, Jess. Love corrects. And he did a loving thing there because there is only one God. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, he is one, the shepherd. Okay, God is one, therefore he has one way that he desires to be worshipped, and that way he sent his son down to establish that fact, period. Keep going. <laughs> I, hope Cardinal, I hope Cardinal Mahoney just heard you. Yeah. yeah. Good that he's retired. So he writes, religious freedom does not mean religious indifferentism. I read that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> if the social community is to be built up in a spirit of respect for the common good, such discernment has to be based on the criterion of charity and truth. And then he says in number 55, he says, Catholicism holds the key to true freedom for all nations and religions, but it will only be able to contribute its gift if the public square remains free. He says, the whole man and all men is also the criterion for evaluating cultures and religions. Christianity, and by, by that he means the Catholic faith, the religion of the one, of, of the God who has a human face, contains this very criterion within itself. What criterion is he talking about? It's the, it's the religion of freedom for all nations and all men. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. And then he said, yeah. In, the, in his eight short years as Pope, Pope Benedict XVI anchored the post-Vatican II Catholic Church firmly in the faith of Jesus Christ. May we as American Catholics never forget the urgent message God gave us through his servant and one thing yes. I will say about this Pope, this he fought doggedly as a cardinal and as a Pope to show that there are not two churches. There's not a pre-Vatican yes. II church and a post-Vatican II church like the liberals and modernists are trying to do right now, especially the yes. bishops and the Belgian bishops. Pope yes. Benedict clearly kept teaching over and over again for 40 and 50 years that there has to yeah. be a continuity in everything. Uh, Doctrine, well, well, government, yes. creed, religion, liturgy, everything. There must yes. be a continuity. Yes, how about the fact that God's the same today, yesterday, and forever? He's immutable. He does not change. Therefore, you know, it, you know, like you said, we, like we can't go into two separate things. God, you know, hero Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. That's all I got to say on that one. That's right. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and he's going to be known for that, Paul, because he called yeah. the liberals out on this. What the liberals have done after 1965, and they're still fighting to do it. Right now, mm -hmm. uh, present company in Rome is fighting to do it right now. They're yes. trying to start a new church. And Pope Benedict, he called them on it a long time ago. He goes, I know what you're doing. It's called the hermeneutic of rupture. Okay. In mm -hmm. other words, the, the way the liberals interpret Vatican II is, hey, this gives us the, the forum to start a new church. He says, no, it does Yes. Vatican yeah. II is not a break with tradition. Vatican II, he said, must be read in light of tradition. It's a continuity with tradition. And so this is one of the things that we're going to know him for uh, until the second coming of Christ. The yeah. way he tried to yeah. hold the church together, Paul. Let me, let me quote Paul. 
the apostles or even an angel from heaven preach to you a different gospel, a different Christ, let that person be anathema. And here we are talking about a different Christ because why? The church is the mystical body of Christ, yes, and therefore it cannot change. Amen. And uh, and again, Paul, who's the one that's behind division and dissension? Satan. That's one of his that's one of his trademarks in Revelation chapter yes. 12, verse 9. He's a deceiver. That's right. John 10:10, 10, 10, right. he comes to steal, kill, destroy. John 8:44, he's a liar and a murderer. It, this yes. division being pushed by some of the successors of the apostles, this break in the church with the church through the synodal path, uh, this is diabolical, and Pope Benedict called this out. And now, thanks be to God, yes. we pray that he's before the thrones of God, before the altars of God, that his prayers can be even much more powerful right. for all of us and for his that's successor. Right. That That's right. And and we know that sacred scripture also warns us, Jess, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. And as you pointed out, um, I guess it was on Tuesday, you said, uh, you know, his opening statement, you know, when he became pope was pray that I do not flee the wolf, uh, uh, flee from the wolves. You know, there are wolves uh, in sheep's clothing yeah. and we need to pray for our holy prelates that God sustain them, that they depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in order to uh, uh, stand in their position. Amen. Amen. And, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and, to, and to pass on the deposit of faith. The way yes, Christ intended. Faithfully. Hey, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about the six legacy of Pope Benedict the Sixteenth next. Now, back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial eight 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 five two six two one five one. Eternal rest grant unto Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. May the soul of Pope Benedict XVI, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. Amen. There are six legacies of Pope Benedict XVI that we want to cover. In, short, in eight short years of being the Pope, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, he anchored the post-Vatican II Catholic Church firmly in the faith of Jesus Christ, and he gave its faithful the blessing of his own keen intellect and profound charity. Uh, so here are six gifts Pope Benedict the, uh, that he gave us in the 21st century, he gave to the church and to the world. The first one was, again, just his faith in God. He said, the important thing to see is that God exists. If he's omitted, everything else might be as clever as can be, and yet man then loses his dignity and authentic humanity. <laughs> wow. Don't we see that? Don't we see that? In, 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 in countries that are godless, you have barbarism, you have... Uh, you have anarchy. In fact, that's a, that's what the left wants to do to this country by the removal of God, which they're trying. What did we have? The summer of uh, 574 riots with BLM and, and oh yeah, Alpha. yeah, Jess. It, uh, so, so God breathed in man, and man became a living soul. And He was created on the sixth day, the same day that He created the beasts of the field. But when man fails to recognize his connection with God and honor God as God, He becomes no different than the beasts of the field. Amen. Amen. Yep. Pope Ben, in his book called Salt and Light, he says it's it seems too simplistic, but Benedict reminded the world that God must be at the center of the human political project. And by the time he ascended the throne of St. Peter, it was a lesson most of the West had utterly forgotten. In other words, God, God must be involved in politics as well, is what he's saying. Benedict's insight 
which he shared with his predecessor, Pope St. John Paul II, into the postmodern mind was that while vestiges of Christian sentiments still permeated Western culture, for all intents and purposes, modern man acts and thinks as if God does not exist. So the, the last two popes, John Paul II and Benedict, they said that's the problem of the West is that we live and act as if God doesn't exist. Practical also, atheism. Yes, that's what he called it. Benedict mm-hmm. understood that one society embraces this kind of practical atheism. There are no restrictions on human atrocities as man loses a sense of transcendent purpose and worth. Again, we saw it here. The summer of uh, two years, Paul, of 574 riots and burnings, uh, Catholic churches, police stations, courthouses. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, uh, the, the, those young people that were out there doing this were not living in a state of grace and going to Mass. Trust me. Mm-mm. The last thing, but if the West could remember God, that same knowledge could transform human communities by ordering them to mankind's true end with faith, hope, and love. Mm. Next contribution, Paul? Yeah. Freeing us from the dictatorship of relativism. Mm. This is huge. Yeah. In his opening address at the 2005 papal conclave, which would elect him pope, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger declared, relativism, which is letting oneself be tossed and swept along by every wind of looks like the only attitude uh, that's acceptable to today's standards. We are moving toward a dictatorship of relativism, which does not recognize anything as for certain, and which has as its highest goal, one's own ego and one's own desires. Isn't that, uh, is that not descriptive of today? That's the zeitgeist of today, Jess, the spirit of this Mm. world. Mm. Benedict articulated, perhaps better than any living person at the time, the central crisis of modernity, the loss of confidence in the truth. Wow. Wow. Truth, he said, is not the enemy of freedom. It is necessary precondition of freedom. Mm. His, mm. His, his, such profound thoughts. Yeah. Authentic freedom yeah. is always related to the truth, directly tied to its forgetting of God. Secular modernity embraces relativism as its path to happiness. We hear everywhere that your truth is not my truth. How I feel is what's true for me. Perhaps nowhere is this crisis more evident than in the trans ideology, uh, ideologies which completely untether a person from his physical body and his family to the name, uh, in the name of freedom and happiness. But Benedict Warren is a kind of object slavery that leads to misery. Whoa. Hmm. The only path to freedom and happiness is to pursue the truth found in its fullness in Jesus Christ. Mm, amen. Yet, regardless of how we feel or what the latest fashion is, being a, uh, a free and flourishing human adult, he said, means having wisdom and faith in the truth as given to us by God. And as we know, just Jesus, uh, uh, I am the way. I am the truth. The truth is not a concept. It is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And if, and if we go to him, 
that settles all it that brings uh the joy of the lord you know we're, we're, we're not looking for happiness we, we we need joy we need the joy of the lord and, and that joy will sustain us through the worst exactly the next thing he'll be known for is faith reason and and violence in 2006 Benedict gave a scholarly presentation on faith and reason at the University of Regensburg in Germany. One sentence in his remarks sparked international debate among many who had not previously read the speech itself. In the lecture, Pope Benedict quoted an obscure 14th century Catholic Byzantine text that read, quote, Show me just what Muhammad brought that was new, and there you will find things only evil and inhumane such as his command is spread by the sword the faith he preached, close quote. Pope Benedict's point, of course, was that violence cannot advance faith. Violence is an act against human reason and therefore an act against God. The global reaction missed the message. The mainstream media highlighted crowds of screaming Muslim men burning effigies of the Pope on the streets. In Palestine, Catholic churches were burned and an elderly elderly nun was assassinated in Somalia. Western commentary largely blamed Benedict for imprudence at best and Islamophobia at worst. Pope Benedict expressed regret that his choice that his choice to use the quote stirred such a fierce reaction among some Muslims, but he did not, as the late Father Richard John Newhouse wrote, retract his fundamental point. The which his point was what. The modern divorce of reason from religion and morality leaves the intellectual defenders of the West incapable of explaining why. For instance, one should rationally prefer a religion of reasonable persuasion to a religion of violence. That's the point that the Pope is making. And so the Regensburg moment drew a line in the sand at the start of his papacy. Pope Benedict XVI issued tough challenges that no other world leader was willing to make to both modernity's rationalism and Islam's internal wars over religious toleration. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. Paul, Pope Benedict was much, had much more courage than, than George Bush. George Bush was ro- running around the world calling Islam the religion of peace, which everybody knows that's, that's complete horse manure. But the Pope, he basically he called out Islam. He said, look, yeah. you can't if you if you incorporate reason into Islam, then it takes away from the violent component because reason purifies faith and faith purifies reason. And so but the problem is, is that the Islamic theologians is this was established back in the 10th century. They hold to a principle like Protestants. Now, I'm not saying they're Protestants, but they hold to a Protestant principle, which is born bad fruit, which is they believe in the Quran alone. Sola Quran, yeah. and, yeah. and 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 the Muslim philosophers and theologians since the 10th century have rejected reason, much like Luther, who called reason the devil's whore. And so, mm-hmm. when you take away reason from any religion, you're going to mm-hmm. have a dysfunctional religion. That's the point that he was making in the Regensburg. Yes, and oh, you shall know them by their fruits. 
Just the last time I checked, I didn't see very many Catholics uh, tying explosives to, to, to women and, and young men and, uh, you know, out there, you know, because of their cause, their so-called just cause and blowing up a bunch of uh, people indiscriminately. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, but you'll know them by their fruits. Yep. What's the next point that we're going to know the Pope for? The hermeneutic of continuity. This is huge. As a young bishop, the future Benedict XVI was present at and helped shape the documents of the Second Vatican Council. As a theological advisor, his experience at the council sessions also changed him. In the early days of the council, then Joseph Ratzinger helped draft several addresses for pro-modernizer Cardinal Frings of Cologne. He later reflected that at the time, he was convinced that the church had to face the situation of the present, uh, uh, of the present in a new language. But at the end of the council, Ratzinger returned to uh, Tübingen University, the German bastion of liberal theology, where he witnessed firsthand the student revolutions of 1968. He saw leftist theologians co-opting the work of the council and ultimately the teaching of the church for the rest of his life there he promulgated what he called hermeneutic of continuity the proper interpretation of vatican ii as opposed to the rampant and erroneous hermeneutic of rupture which claimed that the church broke with the church's traditions benedict's interpretation saw it as a reform designed to strengthen and enrich the unchanged Catholic teaching. Benedict XVI encouraged Catholics to study and embrace Vatican II as a magisterial testimony to the reality of an unbroken community of faith in Jesus Christ. We must rediscover that humans tra uh, uh, trail, well, that luminous trail, we'll, we'll get back to it, Jess. I want to yeah. finish this thought. You got it. Jesus 9-1. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Good stuff. Red meat for the red meat for the Catholic intellect. Now, back to Jesus 9-1-1. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. On duty for the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and on duty and in the service of the Queen Mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. We're talking about the six things, the six contribu contributions of Pope Benedict XVI forevermore as he's laid down uh, underneath uh, St. Peter's Basilica uh, next to St. Peter and all the other 265 popes uh, that are there also that once upon a time occupied that seat. Paul, you were sharing the last point here about yes. Pope Benedict re regarding the hermeneutic of continuity, the last paragraph. Yes, yes. So, so, so the article states, we must rediscover that luminous trail that is the history of the saints and of the beautiful, a history in which the joy of the gospel has been irrefutably expressed throughout the centuries and dare I say just that this is the 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 mass and 
uh, in which the saints cut their teeth on. This is, you know, this is, uh, again, I'll tell you just from personal experience, you know, I was never a Latin mass kind of guy. Uh, you know, I, you know, I just thought it was, you know, you know, a lot about not a whole lot, but until I experienced it and it is literally transforming my life. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and to be, like, and to be fair, you didn't grow up in the Latin mass, both of us, you and me, no. we, we didn't grow up in the Latin mass. Sort of, right. yeah, it was not our experience, right? Yes. Yeah. And again, I, I, you know, uh, you know, I'm not trying to. All I'm saying is that when you when you have this desire, you know, to 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 reach up to God and to and to you know to and to reach out to the holy, the Latin mass is 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 a, a wonderful prayer. It is, you know. Uh, move us in that direction just because that's what it is a prayer uh saint pope pius the 10th uh he expressed you know that as well by the way i agree with everything you just said and uh mm -hmm. it's it's funny you know though in, in liturgy that's one of the things also that pope benedict was known for uh restoring the sacred the sacred to the liturgy the article yes. says closely linked to that hermeneutic of continuity was Benedict's deep respect for the historic liturgical rites of the church. In his 2000 book, The Spirit of the Liturgy, then Joseph Ratzinger wrote, quote, Real liturgy implies that God reveals, responds and reveals how we can worship Him. It cannot spring from imagination or our own creativity. Then it would remain just a cry in the dark or mere self-affirmation. After observing the post-Vatican II liturg liturgical chaos in the Latin rite, Benedict warned that a sense of the transcendent at the Mass had faded from the public consciousness of the West. Hmm. He sought ways to restore a sense of the sacred to the Mass by promoting the rediscovery and respect for the diversity of rites in the Church. Deeply convinced that the different rites enrich one another, he made headlines in 2007 with his motu proprio sumorum pontificum uh, which honored and restored the use of the 1962 Roman Missal or Latin Mass. In 2009, he promulgated Anglicanorum Citibis, welcoming members of the Anglican Church who wished to reunite with Rome. Instead of requiring them to use the rites of the Novus Ordo Mass, he specifically allowed these converts the full use of traditional Anglican rites so as to maintain the liturgical, spiritual, and pastoral traditions of the Anglican communion within the Catholic Church as a precious gift nourishing the faith of the members of the ordinariate and as a treasure to be shared. Now here's my comment, and this is a fact, and this is very sad, but uh, the, 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 the Latin Mass restrictions by Pope Francis broke Pope Benedict's heart, according mm. to the secretary his secretary, who's the Archbishop Ganswan, uh, he said in an interview that when he saw what Pope Bennett and Pope Francis did with that document, uh, Custodis Traditionis, which is kind of ironic that he would call it that, because what that means is guardian mm. of tradition. Guardian of tradition. Mm -hmm. Well, anything but what, what? What is tradition? The Latin Mass. Mm -hmm. it, the Latin mm -hmm. Mass goes back to the fourth century. 1,600 yeah. years. So if you're going to call a document guarding of tradition, you would think you'd be guarding the Latin Mass, but quite the opposite was, was uh, you know, ended up being promulgated by that document.
Yeah, Jess, it, it almost should have been appropriately called, you know, uh, the stamping out of tradition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is just my opinion. Listen, I'm a, yeah, I'm Joe Sixpack in the pew, so to speak. Okay, no, but in reality, uh, when you read it, and I reread it, and you know, I think it was a, the sixth article there, you know, where it basically says everything, you know, on the subject, uh, you know, which, and I know it was a reference to Samorum Pontificum, which is the the beautiful gift that uh, Benedict the Sixteenth gave the Church. Uh, he says basically everything you know in that is basically null and void, and here's the new marching orders, and, you know, and then they outline, um, you know, that th there shall be no new uh, uh, groups, you know, uh, uh, you know, that are centered around the Latin Mass. Jess, can you imagine it was a marriage uh, if you said, you know what, nobody's allowed to have children? What would happen to the at that point? Obviously, everybody would die off in one generation, right? That that's right. Be, that's the only that's the only logical conclusion. And so, uh, so, 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 when you sit there and you put limitations on uh, how can somebody limit, you know, uh, something that is one of the most beautiful expressions of worship, as we represent the wonderful sacrifice of Christ here and now before the Lord. How can all of a sudden that, you know, can anybody, you know, try to control that and say, you know, this, you know, we're going to really limit this. I in guess, good, Paul, you know, I don't, I, this is just my opinion in good conscience. How can that happen, Jess? Uh, they can do that in bad conscience, not in good conscience. <laughs> That's how they can do yeah. it. Paul and, yeah. and, and Paul Benedict back in 2017, he was all, he was already had resigned. But he yeah. gave an interview where he said this back in, in 2017. He said this. Uh, he said, uh, the, he said, popes might make pronouncements that were incons that are inconsistent with the Catholic Church's authentic and historic doctrine, which would necessitate criticism of those pronouncements. I'm going to say this again because this is jaw dropping. Okay, this is Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Ah, but he said this in in the nineteen seventies. It was just quoted in two thousand seventeen. Okay, in the nineteen seventies, as Cardinal Ratzinger, he said this. Talk about a prophetic statement. He said, "Popes might make pronouncements that are inconsistent with Catholic Church's authentic and historic doctrine, which mm -hmm. would necessitate criticism of those pronouncements." Uh, th th this is it. And, and by the way, he's also very famous for saying that he wrote a book. Can you imagine? This is how much as a sitting Pope, he wrote a three volume book of Jesus of Nazareth as a sitting yeah, Pope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A that was, three yeah, volume that, that was, book. Yeah. Like, like you said, his <laughs> intellect, uh, you know, uh, and his love for sacred scripture yes. and, and the church was, was, was deep and wide. That's all I'll describe it as just deep and wide. And then, you know, and it's and it's funny because it seems like the church is, you know, these days, you know, there's a bunch of theological lightweights, at least people who, who are, you know, who don't really oh, understand yeah. these these truths uh, uh, or the ramifications behind the things that they say. Uh, but, you know, just uh, in there, you know, I, and, and, I, and I always, you know, say this, but I'll say it again. There's a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. You know, 
I don't believe that anybody is intentionally. I, it's just in my heart that you know that, that you know taking us down the wrong path, whether it be any prelate in the church. I mean, for the most part, I mean, yeah, there's a few bad eggs in there, but for the most part, I think most of them are are well intentioned, but they have lost uh, their supernatural you know, become, faith. Yes, they have become untethered. Uh, yes. They have. Be you know they value things of the world. Just when you see cardinals and and bishops retiring in in mansions and things like that, you just wonder. You know, uh, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. When I saw Pope Benedict, we talked about this yesterday, Jess. When he was uh, uh, went to Germany and his fellow German uh, bishops and uh, you know were there, and I saw them shun him. When you know, and 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 wouldn't shake his hand. There's a video clip of that. I was just reminded of Jesus when when he mm -hmm. came to his own, but his own received him not. Yeah. I, re I was reminded of Jesus when he stood before the uh, Caiaphas, who was uh, the high priest of Israel, who you know, who who was the spiritual leader of, uh, you know, of, of the people, and he struck Jesus in the face. You know, he's looking at the Lord of Glory. How twisted we can become, how misdirected we can become, Jess. I agree, Paul. Well, yeah. Pope Benedict XVI has now been laid to rest. He's entombed in the Grotto of Crips under St. Peter's Basilica. He's buried alongside the bodies of many previous popes, including, of course, St. Peter himself, the first pope, which is why St. Peter's Basilica bears his name. So there's a 2,000-year connection, a straight yes. line back to Peter, and it was yes. Christ himself who gave Simon the keys of the kingdom after changing his yes. name to Peter. I'll tell you one thing. This is the end of an era, Pope. With the passing of Joseph Ratzinger, the last Pope of what we could style, maybe the old way of Catholicism, it's going to take an, an, an iron resolve born out of love for Christ our Lord and the church yes. so that we could resist and hold back the modernists because uh, much more than just the body of Joseph Ratzinger has been entombed under St. Peter's today, the church and the world, Paul, right now we've entered into a new dark age. We have. Yeah, well, well, Jess, yeah. listen, as it was in the early church, you know, the blood of the, the saints was uh, seed for the church. That's right. I have, a that's feel, right. I have a feeling again that the blood will flow, but that's okay because that's exactly the, you know, what God uses to bring about and effect lasting change. Yes, that's it, Paul. There may, there may be a lot of pain for us in the future, gnashing of teeth and likely much blood spilled along the way. But guess what? We were born for such a time as this. Amen, and, and, brother. And the, and the times right now demand men of action, men of faith, yes. men of virtue, uh, men, that, men that use faith and reason like Pope Benedict XVI taught us. Uh, because remember, the actions of virtuous Catholic men have always been the tip of the spear in Catholic history. And let's yes. all of us say the words that Pope Benedict said before he died upon our impending death. When we see the face of Christ, that we, before we close our eyes for the last time, that we all can say, Jesus, I love you. That's a wrap. We're, ten, we're EOW, end of watch, two-man car. Remember, we'll see you next time. Remember to, remember to pray for uh, Pope Benedict XVI. Amen.